they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, the 29th day of October. October is fast coming to an end, which means November is quickly arriving. And the 1st of November, of course, and we celebrate the Feast of All Saints. And then All Souls Day. And Mary, if I just could jump in and say something about praying for the poor souls in purgatory. And there's a new movie I'm going to go see on purgatory that I think will help people understand the need and the benefit for praying for the poor souls. But I want to just read something that's so beautiful about the church uh, suffering, church triumphant. And uh, I want to just say that this, that the church suffering, this is a joyful suffering of people in purgatory because they anticipate the seeing of God face to face. The reality is that most, at the moment of death, still have some residue of sin need, that needs to be purged by the blood of the Lamb shed for us on the cross. The book of Revelation makes that clear when it says, nothing but perfect and pure will enter the kingdom of heaven. So purgatory is that, are you ready? Anti-chamber of heaven, or a laundry room, <laughs> where our white baptismal garments is washed clean so that we can dress appropriately. For the heavenly banquet mm-hmm. feast. I love this. It's beautiful. Since Old Testament times, since we have a biblical view, it has been a pious tradition and an act of charity to pray for the dead. These souls cannot pray for themselves and they need our prayers. We, those who are pilgrims on the earth, that's who we are. We're the church militant, fighting the good fight, as St. Paul says, mm-hmm. we are part of the communion of saints. Gathered together singing the Sanctus Sanctus. So in other words, as a holy, holy, holy God of hosts, as we approach All Souls Day, please be aware of praying for the poor souls in purgatory. And remember, when that soul gets to heaven, you've got your best friend. Now that soul's going to be praying for you. So it's just good time management every day to pray for a poor soul in purgatory. And don't forget in November, visiting the uh, the graveyard graveyards. I was going to say cemetery. cemeteries. Cemetery that uh, you get an indulgence by doing that by praying for the Holy Father, which He desperately needs. So I just wanted to make sure because this is like the last Friday of October. We're going to jump right into uh, November and November second. Wow. Uh, we got to remember the poor souls, and I I say that because you don't hear enough about praying for the poor souls in purgatory, even at local masses. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. And I think it's huge when you think of time and eternity. It's huge. It okay. is huge. It is huge. So thank you. Yeah, we want to remember that's coming up here. So um, today we want to cover something, and that is a biblical view of the human person. Ooh, I love it. You know, in the beginning, when God's in, in the beginning in Genesis, God said, he said, let us make man in our own image. Do we stop to consider Okay, what this means, Genesis 1, 27, God made man in his own image. Mm-hmm. So God makes us. And what does this mean? What does this give us as human beings? And I'm going to use the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And I, you know, it's beautiful. If you read the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and I, our priest here at Our Lady of Grace, uh, the um, personal ordinary in union with the chair of St. Peter Parish, former Anglicans or, uh, who are Catholic now, fully Roman Catholic, 
um, he often um, talks about the fact that as a Protestant, he was reading the Catechism of the Catholic Church. <laughs> he was getting his scripture commentary from it. Isn't that great? So if you want to understand scripture deeper, if you really want to go into a deep scripture study, go ahead and read through the Catechism and start looking up the scripture passages and then how the church is showing you what this means. Mm-hmm. So we have in paragraph 27, the desire for God. The desire for God is written in the human heart because man is created by God for God. And God never ceases to draw man to himself. Only in God will he find the true happiness he never stops searching for. The dignity of man rests above all on the fact that he is called to communion with God. This invitation to converse with God is addressed to man as soon as he comes into being. For if man exists, it is because God has created him through love and through love continues to hold him into existence. He cannot live fully according to the truth unless he freely acknowledges that love and entrusts himself to his creator. And the church, that's in Gaudium et Spes, the um, document from the Second Vatican Council, paragraph 19. And so it's only when we acknowledge why God made us, where we came from, where we're going to, that we understand our purpose. What is our purpose? Mm. You know, in the catechism, you know, well, why did God make us? Well, he made us to show forth his goodness mm. and to share his happiness with us. Forever. He decided to, <laughs> sh- he wanted, he wants, he desires to share his own happiness with mm-hmm. us. And, and so what do we have to do? We have to know him, love him, and serve him. And that's evident from the scriptures. And it, and it, it you know, it, it, one of the things about the dignity of man, I was thinking about it. In the Gospel of John, what does it say? For God so loved the world that in the fullness of time, he sent his only son. John, mm-hmm. 3.16, is it? Yep, that's famous. And, and it's, it's a very famous quote. But do we, do we think about it? For God so loved the world. He so loves mankind that he sent his son. And, and the thing is, Jesus is the son of God made man. He, his name wasn't Jesus until he took to himself a human nature, okay? The second person of the blessed Trinity has two natures because he became man. So he's a human nature and a divine nature, but he's only one person. He's the divine person. He's not a human person. Right. But he did this because God so loves man. He wants us to share in his own life, in his own joy. And there's so many passages in scripture that talk about, you know, the, the dignity of the human person. You know, we have, we have Galatians 3, 8 that, you know, there, there's neither Jew or Greek or slave or free or male or female because we are all one in Christ. Do we understand the dignity that gives us right. that we are united as one in Christ? We are members of his body that the scripture tells us. Okay. You're supposed to treat all others as you would have them treat you. This is the dignity of the human person is to love because God is love and we're made in God's image. So we're supposed to image God and God loves. And by the way, God loves his enemies. So yet we're called to love our enemies. We're called to love everyone and to bestow that dignity upon them. Every human person, when we look at them, we're supposed to look at them and remember, this is a unique, unrepeatable image and likeness of God. We are called to build that person up in their true identity as an image and likeness of God. 
and allow them to come to know who they are before God. This is a great calling. It is. Mary, if I can just jump in. Fulton Sheen talks a little bit about the human dignity of man and how we can abuse that dignity you know, by, through sin. That's right. So he calls it on, he says, the logic of license is frightening. If all things are allowable, then man becomes a slave to his own freedom. And what he means by, you know, the slave of pornography, the slave of sin, it could be abortion, it could be steal, it could be all these things that uh, our culture has said are okay to do. It's okay. That's that license. But what it's done is as Bishop Sheen says, it, be, it makes man become a slave to his own freedom. So the idea, what you're saying about the human dignity of the person, when we realize who we are in God's eyes, and I, I say this just because I think one challenge people have to really believe, and that is that they're lovable. Yeah, yeah. And, and God loves us. Yes, but people have to know that they're lovable. So many people in our world don't know that. Don't know that, and that's a huge thing to to live a life not knowing that. That's that's very sad. Well, you know how tragic can that be? You, you, you to, to to go through the world thinking that you're not lovable and like, nobody like, loves you. Yeah, like you're, and, and also that you're just a nobody. You're just a number. You know, there's eight billion people in the world, and who am I? I'm nothing. And what that does is it you lose your purpose in life yeah. when you don't know you're loved by God. Right, exactly. And and that's why we wanna we wanna go over this. You know, mm-hmm. what God he created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Right. You know, this is right from Genesis, Genesis yep. one biblical. And you know, we man occupies a unique place in creation because he is made in the image of God. And in his own nature, he unites both the spiritual and the material world. Mm-hmm. You know, man isn't just a body. He's not just an animal. Right. But he's not an angel either. He's not just a spirit. He's body and spirit. God put in him an immortal soul, but he also has a body. And so, but he's created in God's image. And, and he's established when God made man, he made man in friendship with himself. He created Adam and Eve in a state of grace. They were able to talk to God. Right. They were able to converse with him freely. And they had no shame. They had no knowledge of good and evil. And they had no sin. So there was no shame. And so the, the catechism has paragraph after paragraph after paragraph on this being made in the image and likeness of God. It begins in, well, it's actually, it's funny because it's paragraph number six, man, in the catechism, but it begins with number 355 and it goes all the way to number 368. And it talks about what does it mean to be made in the image of God? Mm. And there are these constant quotes from the scriptures and from the church document. Remember when the church writes these documents, the church is the one to whom Christ entrusted the sacred deposit of faith that he gave. The scripture isn't the only part of that sacred deposit of faith. Right. Guess what? Hey, the music, Mary, and I want to remind people, the Spiritual Warfare Conference is coming up January 29th and 30th. Hundreds of people have already signed up in the first three days. We've advertised it. If you want to get in, get in now by going to vmpr.org or calling us at 877-526-2151. We'll be back with more in the Bible with the Barbers and the view of the human person, a biblical view. 
Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers. And we're talking about a biblical view of the human person. And as I mentioned in the first part, we have in the Catechism Catholic Church, paragraph six is about man. But in, and in, under paragraph six, you have numbers 355 through 368 that talk about the dignity of the human person. So they dignity because man is made in God's image. And this gives man a great dignity. Um, he's the only visible creature who is able to know and love his creator. Animals can't know and love their creator. Only man can, all right? And he is the only creature on earth that God has willed for his own sake. And he alone is called to share by knowledge and love in God's own life. So man is called to share in God's own life by his knowledge and love. God made us to be in communion. And, and he made us not only to be in communion with each other, which he did make us even in the beginning. He makes woman for man, but he makes us to be in communion with God together. Okay, we're supposed to work together to draw into communion with, with God. Okay, so, you know, what is this, this dignity that God has established for man? Certainly the incalculable love by which you have looked on your creator, on your creature is in yourself. What made you establish man in so great a dignity? Excuse me, the question is, what made you, God, establish man in so great a dignity? Certainly the incalculable love by which you, God, have looked on your creature in yourself. You have taken, you are taken with love for her, for mankind. For by love indeed you created her. By love you have given her a being capable of testing your eternal, tasting, tasting your eternal good. That was in the dialogues of St. Catherine of Siena. So being in the image of God, the human individual possesses the dignity of a person who is not just something but someone. He is capable of self-knowledge, self-possession, and of freely giving himself and entering into communion with others. And he is called by grace to a covenant with his creator to offer his response of faith and love that no other creature can give in his stead. And this goes back to what Terry read the, the first section when he, uh, regarding Bishop Sheen and, and the, the frightening freedom that we have, that we can choose to sin, but that actually degrades us. We can misuse the freedom that God has given us. The freedom God has given us is to enter into communion with God and with our neighbor, to serve and to live a life of self-control, self-possession, to know ourselves, to know that we were made by God and for God and for union with God, and then to live that fully, to enter into that union. And part of entering that union is to love our neighbor. It's part of the dignity of man is that God commands us to love one another. God is love. So when we love, we are like God. The idea that I'm, you know, that I'm exercising my freedom by being angry with people or if somebody hurts me saying, I can cut that person out of my life. I don't need that kind of negative, negative energy in my life. Well, honey, we're made for communion with other people. We're all made for that. And people are going to hurt us. That's just the nature of life because man sinned. God made a perfect paradise. When God made Adam and Eve, they were in perfect communion with one another and in communion with God. And they chose to sin. They chose to let 
their trust for God die in their hearts. And they sinned. And when they did that, they brought disruption to what God had made. And again, that possibility of now our freedom can be used for the, what the good it was made to be used for, to choose God and to love, or our freedom can be made to turn away. We can use our freedom to turn away from God and turn to hate him and to hate our neighbor. That, now, that doesn't give us freedom, as, as Terry mentioned in the first section. You know, when, when we sin, we become slaves of sin. That's it. You know, gossip, gluttony, you know, anger, sloth, lust, avarice. We become slaves, and we, we're no longer free. We're not serving the good of our being. You know, when, when, when I'm avaricious and all I want is money, and I'm pursuing money, I don't consider my own health or the well-being of the people around me. I don't have relationships with others. And the greatest thing for me is because God made us in his own image. You know, God is not a solitude unto himself. God is a trinity of persons. That God exists is not an article of faith. Anybody who uses their reason and applies it can know that God exists from the order in the universe, from the beauty, the goodness, the truth. Okay, all of these, all of, all of creation cries out to us that there is a creator, a loving creator who is beautiful and good and true and ordered. All right, that God is a trinity of persons that needs faith. But you know what? Faith is a gift. If you want it, ask for it. Ask God to help you to believe in the revelation he has made of himself. But God is not a solitude. He's a trinity of persons. He's a communion of love and life. So when he made man, first he made Adam, and Adam had to discover the animals were not an appropriate partner for him. He named all the animals, and he couldn't find an appropriate partner. So God put him into a deep sleep, and he made woman from the rib of Adam, from his side. Not, not above him, not below him, but equal to him. And so the dignity of the human person is in that communion of love and life where we are, are loving one another, and by loving one another, we are co-creating with God, either spiritually or physically. In marriage, husband and wife have that unique privilege of bringing forth children according to God's will in their conjugal union. But nonetheless, as human beings, if we cooperate in God's plan, we can bring forth souls spiritually for the kingdom of God. We can help people to save their souls, to turn to God. Sinners turn away from sin and turn back to the Lord. So there's this dignity that we have of being made in God's image. We're supposed to be like God, behave like God, as his very dear children, Paul tells us. Mary, just to jump in, Mother Angelica wrote a book years ago, and I've got a copy of what she said about our dignity, especially. She's just, she's very uh, earthy, okay? She is earthy. Yeah. She says, do you realize that if you're a baptized Christian, you have sanctifying grace in you, part of God is in you, and it's part that must shine. You can't be in love and not show it. And what she says is, you're alive, really. She says, you're a person whom God created to be special. How many of us realize that? And, and Mother says, you're so special, Mary, and everyone listening, that, that uh, you're so special that he had you in mind before time began. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. That's how special, so special that you are, that he lives inside of you, so special that you are, that he wants to be like a big beam on the top of the mountain for all men to see. I love Mother's you know, analogy, the mountain. That, that's our dignity. 
especially, you know, so that's holiness, really. And Mother says this, and then I'll turn it back. Holiness is a struggle day after day to forgive 70 times, seven times, to be hurt and to say, Lord, forgive my enemies, forgive the person who hurt me and be able to see you and not fall apart. All of that is holiness, the dignity of the human person. Oh, she gets me. I just think Mother speaks so earthy in the sense that she's not like a highfalutin theologian. She just says it where people understand. Like, last thing she says, the good news is that we struggle, and God pours grace into us, and we rise and we fall. God, in his infinite mercy, loves us, keeps us going, gives us strength and courage and joy to be joyful. It won't hurt you. He says, she says, even if you have a problem, smile at your neighbor. <laughs> you see what I mean? It, that makes you laugh, doesn't it? Yeah. Gee, what a wonderful woman she was. Yeah. And that's, that's it. That's, is to share that joy, the joy of knowing the Lord, the joy of being loved. Mm-hmm. But first, let that love in. And, and you know, God created everything for man, right? Yep. yep. But in, man, in turn, was created to serve and love God and to offer all of creation back to God. Oh, my gosh. Have you, do we think about that? Wow. We're supposed to offer all of creation back to God. Our life is a gift from God. We're supposed to offer that back to him. Mm. And this is, this is a great dignity. You know, God didn't make us to be robots. He didn't make us automatons. He wants us to be able to love. God is love. So when we love, we are most like God. And this is why we're called to forgive, to forgive our neighbor. Jesus from the cross says, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. They didn't fully know what they were doing. They, they just thought, you know, this guy is obnoxious. He can't be the savior. He's not what we expected. This isn't, he's not, you know, where's the military power? Where is he leading us to, to be the, the top of the heap again? We're going to be the kings on the hill. It's interesting. If you read The Life of Christ by Bishop Fulton J. Sheen, just read the introduction to it. And he talks in there about how even the pagans had this new of this prophecy that, that, a re, that, a, that a ruler of the world would arise out of the Jews. They all knew it. Yep. <laughs> Even the Romans were writing about this. You know, this is, they, there's something about the God of the Jews that's different. And he promised them that they would rule the world. So, you know, they're, they're looking out for this. But, but the reality is, is that that ruling of the world is not, a, is not a lording it over other men. It's loving. It's loving people into the freedom of the children of God whereby we know we are loved and we accept that love and we allow the love of God to transform us from within. We're not dunghills covered with snow. Our dignity is so great that God transforms us into a living image of Jesus Christ, of himself, the second person of the Blessed Trinity made, made man. We become a living image of Jesus. And this is what we pray for. And this is what we're supposed to offer all of creation back to God. We're supposed to bring it all back to him and offer it back to the Father. We're not just supposed to use creation for our own pleasure. That's a matter of fact, that's degrading to the mm. human person. Sin degrades the human person. Yeah, we have the freedom to sin. You know, well, you can't love if you're not free. We have the freedom to love. And if we say yes, then we're truly free. If we love God and accept his love, then we're truly free. But as, as Terry read that quote from Bishop Sheen in the beginning, 
if we don't love, if we turn to sin, then we become a slave. We become a slave of sin. And, and Jesus said that. He talked about that in the Gospel of John. He said, he said, anyone who sins is a slave of sin, and no slave has a permanent place in the Father's house. But if the Son sets you free, you will truly be free. And that's what Jesus came to do. He came, as, he came to set us free from sin, from the power of sin, from the power of death. We don't have to be afraid of death, by the way. We don't have to, we don't, you don't go out and try and um, cause your own death. This is not right. No, we glory in God that he has given us the gift of life. And in glorying in God and rejoicing in that gift of life, we offer it back to him. And as we offer ourselves back to him, we we gather up all of creation and say, Lord, we want you to redeem all of creation. When man sinned, everything was disordered. So we want you to bring order back into everything that you made. So we bring it all back to the father in love. And that's the key to this dignity, is this love that comes from God, because God is love. I hear that music again. Yep, we're going to come right back. And uh, this is the Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Talk about the dignity of the human person with a biblical worldview. We'll be back with more. Stay with us, family. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, the 29th day of October. October is certainly coming to a quick close. (laughs) Time flies. We must be having a good time. That's right. That's what I always say to you, Mary. So we're talking about the biblical view of the human person. Mm-hmm. And, and where do we you know, understand the dignity of the human person? We know in the beginning it says that God made man in his own image. But something happens in the New Testament. In the revelation of the word of God, the second person of the Blessed Trinity becomes man. And it is only in the incarnation of the word of God, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, the Son of God, the word made flesh, that the mystery of man becomes truly clear. Because you see, from the beginning, it was God's intention that his son should become man. And, and what does this do? What does this do for man? Well, you know, St. Paul tells us that the human race has its origin from two men, from Adam and Christ. And he called, Christ is the new Adam, right? Mm-hmm. So the first man, Adam, Paul tells us, became a living soul. The last Adam is a life-giving spirit. The first Adam was made by the last Adam, from whom he also received his soul to give him life. The second Adam stamped his image on the first Adam when he created him. This is why he took on himself the role and the name of the first Adam, in order that he might not lose what he had made in his own image. The first Adam and the last Adam, Adam and Christ. The first had a beginning, the last knows no end. The last Adam is indeed the first, and he, as he himself says, I am the first and the last. So the second person of the Blessed Trinity was first. He created Adam, God made man, and, and Adam had this freedom to love God. And instead of loving him, he sinned. And when he sinned, 
He shattered the image of God in himself. This is what sin does in our soul. God imprints his image on our soul when we, we are baptized. He, he comes to live in us. And if we commit mortal sin, we shatter that image. So the second person of the Blessed Trinity becomes man to restore his image in mankind. He comes back. This is how much we mean to God. God could have said, okay, Adam, look, you blew it. I gave you a chance. You can live a natural life and die a natural death and be done with it. But God said, no, I will send a redeemer. I will send someone who will restore to man what was lost in the sin when Adam sinned. This is the dignity of the human person. We mean so much to God, again, that in the fullness of time, he sent his only son, that all who believe in him might not perish but have eternal life. God didn't make us for death. He made us for life, eternal life with him in heaven. Now, because of sin, yeah, death came into the world. We know that from scripture, right? Mm. <laughs> with sin, death entered the world. And so we will all die. And that's okay. In God's time, according to his will, we don't cause our own death. We're not the author of life and we're not the dealer of death. God is the one who gives life. And he's the one who calls us home when it's time. But let's live in the love of God. Let's live in the freedom of the children of God, right? We're supposed to be merciful like our heavenly father is merciful. Why? Because our dignity as human persons says we're supposed to be like God. We're supposed to love one another, right? You love, love each other. Um, the, the first commandment was love the Lord your God with your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole soul. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. This shows your dignity because God loves you. You also should love. Mm -hmm. And Jesus ups that at the Last Supper because he says, love one another as I have loved you. You see, Jesus loved us when we were not even his friends. Mm. We were still estranged from God when the second person of the Blessed Trinity became man, when he took to himself a human nature and was incarnate in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. This is our dignity to be made in God's image and to live a life of love. Christ came to forgive our sins, right? He came to take away sin and to free us from the power of sin. This is our dignity. Our dignity is not to live in debauchery and enslavement. And what's interesting is even Socrates knew. He came to a knowledge, you know, as I said earlier, that God exists is not an article of faith. It's, it's a self-evident truth. And Socrates, who was a Greek, 325 AD? Yep, BC. BC, I'm sorry, yeah, BC, excuse me, before Christ, 325 years before Christ, Socrates lived in Athens. Yep. And Socrates had this Socratic method. He would ask questions, but he was trying to make the Greek understand. Look, you're worshiping these false gods that you're, you, you created. You want to live a life of immorality and debauchery. So you make gods who are far more immoral than you to justify your immorality. And Socrates taught them, no, actually, God is transcendent. God is good and beautiful and true. He is ordered. And everything that he made is, is good. And if we want to know him, we have to live a life of self-denial and discipline and virtue. Virtue. 
This is a pagan Greek. And he knew this. And if you do this, then you'll know God, the true God, the transcendent God. But he knew from nature that God was good and ordered and beautiful. And that, you know, sin is disordered. Debauchery destroys man and it makes him ugly. You know, it's funny. We know that sin darkens the intellect and weakens the will. It doesn't just darken the intellect, which makes us stupid. <laughs> and it doesn't just weaken our, the will, which makes us weak. Yeah. It also makes us ugly. Yeah, it does. Sin makes us ugly. And Socrates understood this. He said, no, God is beauty. He's the origin of beauty. So we need to be beautiful. We need to be virtuous. This was a pagan Greek. They killed him for it, by the way. <laughs> Funny thing. I, I think it's fair to say the Greeks made a, a tremendous... Outreach to try and understand the true God, the best with their with what they had. Is that a fair statement? Yes, and this was this was through the use of their human intellect. Yeah, the reason. The reason when when they gave those who gave up sin, those who tried to live a virtuous life, came to understand that the gods of the Greek can't be true gods, because they're more immoral than the men that I'm living <laughs> among. Yeah. They, they do all kinds of immoral things. Mm. Now, this isn't, no, the, if there's a real God, if there's a God, a creator, and there's beauty and goodness and truth, and, then he has to be the origin of goodness and beauty and truth. Yeah. And sin, sh- this, this unvirtuous living sure isn't making beauty and goodness and truth. Right. It makes for wars and, and hatred and destruction. Human intellect. Now, to know that God is a trinity of persons, that he's a communion of love and life, yeah, we need revelation. But if you want the gift of faith, ask for it. We're talking about our dignity as human persons from a biblical perspective. And what does the Bible say? Well, in Jeremiah 1.5, God says to the prophet, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Hmm. And, and that can be said to all of us. And he calls us all to a special mission. He has a mission for all of us. In Psalm 127.3, it says, Children are a heritage from the Lord, a blessing, the fruit of the womb. They're gifts. The human person is a gift. In Psalm 139, it says, Lord, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully, wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, Lord God Almighty. How wonderfully we are made. How beautiful we are made. It, it's awesome. And why does God give the commandment in Deuteronomy 5.17 that you shall not murder? Because man is made in God's image. And when he made man, he gave man dominion over creation, not to destroy it, but to keep it and to build the kingdom of God, not a permanent kingdom here on this earth but to do our best to bring the truth of God's presence to every human being and to gather up all of creation, as it says in the catechism, and bring it back to God. We're not supposed to destroy it. We're supposed to gather it up and bring it back to God and thank him for it. Do we thank God for life every day? That, that's part of our dignity, to be grateful, to be joyful in, in existing and in, in knowing God and loving him. It's a great dignity. It also does something for your own disposition when you have this attitude of gratitude. You see, you thank God for all the blessings that you have received from thy bounty through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. You can say that throughout the day, and I I guarantee it. Trust me, it works. It gives you a real understanding that your life is a gift, 
And I think that if you don't have that attitude about the gift of life, then you become woe is me and everything's against me. And really, nobody wants to live that way. I've talked to people who have that attitude of, you know, just everybody's against me and it's everybody's fault but mine. And you've learned into people like that, I'm sure, listeners. But if the attitude of gratitude of constantly thanking God, and I even say, thank God for the things that are difficult. Like, for example, your car got muddy because you had a, you went through the mud because of the rain. <laughs> uh, you know, that happens. Say, Jesus, I offer that to you, and I praise God for that. So every action becomes like a blank check. If Christ's name is on it, it has infinite value. So really what you end up doing is you live a life praising God for everything he permits to happen in your life, the good and the bad even. Right. And, you know, what did Job say? The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. As it has pleased the Lord, so has it been done. <laughs> Blessed be the name of the Lord. <laughs> we we accept good things from the Lord. Should we not accept evil? Yeah, that's the exact quote. You got it. Yeah. And, and the thing is, what you know, what did Paul say? He said, every runner in a race disciplines his body. He disciplines his body. Well, that's what the challenges in life are like. If you don't challenge your muscles, if you just take your arm and put it in a cast for six weeks, when you take it out of that cast, how is your muscle? It's atrophied. Now, you could bring, if you're young, and you can bring it back to life, but it's, it's painful. So we want to challenge ourselves. And, and we, the challenges of life help us to grow in virtue. It's a biblical worldview here on The Bible with the Barbers. I hope you're enjoying this because I hope this gives you inspiration to fall deeper in love with Jesus Christ and his bride, the church, a, a, world, a biblical worldview of the human person. I wish the world could see that because it would change the world. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back after a quick break. Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, October 29th. And we're talking about a biblical view of the human person. And we've covered a lot here. We've covered a lot of scripture passages. We've covered passages from the Catholic Church, which quote from the scriptures. We've covered uh, Gaudium et Spes in the Second Vatican Council documents, which I want to read a little bit more from. It's just beautiful on the dignity of the human person. What is, what it, who is man? Who is he and what is his purpose in life? It says in number 24 of Gaudium et Spes, it says, In his fatherly care for all of us, God desired that all men should form one family and deal with each other in a spirit of brotherhood. All, in fact, are destined to the very same end, namely God himself, since they have been created in the likeness of God, who made from one every nation of men who live on the face of the earth. And that's in Acts 17, 26. So God made us all and our destiny is God. Now, that doesn't mean we're all going to get there. We have to choose whether we're going to love or not, whether we're going to respond to God. It goes on. The Lord Jesus, when praying to the Father that they all may be one, even as we are one. Remember it in John's Gospel, 17, 21 through 22? His Father, that they may all be one, even as we are one, Father, you and I. He opened up new horizons closed to human reason by implying that there is a certain parallel between the union existing among the divine persons and the union of the sons of God 
in truth and love. Wow. This is our dignity to image God here on earth. And there's so much, there's so much that we could go through that, and we don't have time to go through everything, but the reality is, is to, to, to begin to think about what is our dignity and what truly displays our dignity is, is committing sin, is giving um, license to the flesh and saying, I'm just going to obey the dictates of my emotions or the dictates of my flesh. It's interesting because your flesh militates against itself as well as if Paul said that, you know, the flesh militates against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Well, your flesh militates against itself, doesn't it? You know, if I want to sleep too much, it's harmful for my health, right? If I want to eat too many hot fudge, hot fudge Sundays, it's harmful for my health. If I become addicted to alcohol or drugs or pornography, that's, that's, it damages the rest of my being. It may satisfy one part of me, but it doesn't satisfy the whole person. And it's only in freedom. Paul writes to Timothy, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. It's in this self-control that we find the freedom and the dignity to which we are called. And as in the incarnation, Christ reveals to man the true meaning of man, <laughs> who he's supposed to be and how he's supposed to live. So in the resurrection, he reveals to man the destiny of man. And so Paul writes in Colossians 3, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things of this earth. We're not living for a perfect paradise here on earth. We're not living to live on this earth forever. We're living for union with God. Mary, this is so important, what you're teaching, and I'll tell you why. The world is so mixed up about the dignity of the human person to a point, are you ready for this? People treat their animals nicer than their human beings. In other words, their kids. They put a, a, a dog in a, in a stroller and they walk their dog in a stroller. I see it often here in Covina where I live. I also want to mention the world is so mixed up. We have a situation, Dr. Fossey, who's you know talking about the COVID-19, and now he's in trouble, not because he's not t told us the truth about COVID-19. You know what he got in trouble for? Because he experimented on puppies with uh, experimental things, and they said, that's wrong. Okay, you crossed the line. That's it. But you see where I'm talking about? The human dignity of the vaccine that's causing people to die. They're causing all <laughs> kinds of problems. That's okay. But if you, pr if you practice some medicine on some puppies that you give them medicine that's bad and they die... Now you're a bad person. Do you see the dignity, oh how God. we're so mixed up? That's why what you're doing right here, Mary, is incredibly important for our culture to get back on its feet and understand, you know, what's most important in life. Yeah, yeah we are, we're made in God's image. And, I, you know, God have mercy on Dr. Tony Fauci. Yeah. You know, he can experiment on people. Yeah. You know, and we know, we know that the VAERS website yeah. only reports 1% at best 10% of 
of the people who who actually of the adverse effects right. of the vaccines. It's, it's the vaccine adverse effects reporting system. Mm-hmm. So it's it's they think it's only one percent, but I mean, some people say, "Well, it could be as much as ten percent." Okay, so fine, be generous, give them ten percent. They've already got fifteen thousand nine hundred people have died from this vaccine that Dr. Tony Fauci is insisting. And the other thing he's insisting, by the way, he's insisting that if you go into the hospital, that the hospitals treat you with something called remdesivir. Well, remdesivir was used. It's an antiviral. They tried to use it against the Zika virus in Africa, and they had to stop because 30% of the people it was given to died and Dr. Tony Fauci went out and publicly said, this, this drug is so safe. They used it in Africa. It works so well. But the funny thing is he gives you the link to the actual documentation. So if you'll go to the link, you'll find out. No, remdesivir isn't safe at all. And yet he's lying. And he can do that. But oh, my no gosh. No problem. But my gosh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He was experimenting on puppies and the puppies were dying. Oh, oh my goodness. This is horrible. Yeah. How could anybody do such a thing? That's like. The dignity of the human person made in God's image. And we can do away with people. People are objects to be used, commodities to be bought and sold. They're, they're just toys to be played with. Yeah. But puppies, we, we better fight for them. Yeah. But, you know, this has happened before in human history. If you remember, the Greeks used to put dogs on their laps and the people would say, where are your babies? Yeah. And they weren't having babies because they would use herbs to try and contracept they had they understood how the woman's cycle went thousands of years ago. So this is the effect of original sin. Right. That we will turn away from these things that are right. godly. And, and and we have to know something, you know, a biblical worldview. We have to understand. Yeah. God had an enemy in the beginning. In the beginning, God said, Let there be light. Mm-hmm. And then God separated the light from the darkness. And the fathers of the church have made it very, very clear. The church has always understood that when God separated the light from the darkness, he's talking about the fact the light that God made was the angels. And it wasn't day and night, honey, because the sun, moon, and stars didn't exist until the fourth day, the fourth day of creation. There wasn't a 24-hour day. So the light is the angels. And the angels in the beginning, some of them rebelled against God. And when they had been light, but they became darkness. And they hate God. They turned away from love. And they are ugly. They are hideous. Now, they can appear, Satan can appear to you as an angel of light. That's why you're supposed to test the spirits. And, and, and Paul said, even if an angel were to come to you and preach to you a gospel that is contrary to what I've preached, don't listen to him. Oh. You know, and how many people have, have claimed that an angel came to them? <laughs> we know some in history. Yeah, started religions. Yeah, and have started religions because they claimed an angel came to them. Well, yeah. Paul said, you know, if, that, if the gospel they were, that angel preached wasn't the same gospel that Paul was preaching... Um, the gospel that we have in the New Testament that was prophesied in the Old Testament. That's another thing Bishop Sheen brings out in his Life of Christ. Who, what world religion founder was ever pre-announced? That's true. If God were ever God were going to come into the world, wouldn't it behoove him to tell us he was coming? Yeah. And Jesus Christ is the only one who was pre-announced. But getting back to the point of the dignity of the human person, Satan hates God. And man is made in God's image. So guess what? Satan wants to destroy us all. Mm -hmm. And how does he destroy us? By getting us to sin. Exactly. He can't force us to go to hell. We have to choose it. So he tries to trick us. He tries, and it's easy for us to fall because we get confused. We're not like the angels. The angels only had one choice. 
when an angel knows, he knows, he knows, he knows. He knows through and through, okay? Th- that's the nature of his knowledge. When we know, we come to know through our senses, and we have to um, deduct or induct. We have to reason and consider and meditate, all right? So we can get fooled, and, and everything that God made is good, so we can confuse the good things God made with him. St. Augustine talks about that in his, his uh, confessions, you know. Lord, I was looking for you and all the lovely things you made that were outside of me, and all the time you were within me, calling to me, calling. And finally, you broke through my darkness, and you shattered the, dark, the blindness within me, and, and I saw the light. And so we can start to believe <laughs> that we're ugly and no good because Satan hates us so much that he's constantly trying to get us to, and, and if we sin, we do become ugly. And especially if we start committing mortal sins, it kills the life of God in our soul. Mm-hmm. And by the way, you want to make, you want to have faith. It's a gift. Ask for it. Amen. You want your faith to grow, give up sin and ask God to increase your faith every day. St. Paul tells Timothy, he said, many have subverted their conscience and in so doing have made shipwreck of their faith. Sin degrades the human person. It makes us ugly, it weakens our intellect, it dark it weakens our it weakens our will and darkens our intellect. It makes yeah. us stupid, it makes us weak, and it makes us ugly. And Satan wants to destroy the image of God that is in us. He hates us. Well said, we're at the end of the hour. I want to remind everybody they can go back and listen to any of the podcasts, the Bibles of the Barbers and also any other show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I want to also recommend that you download some of Bishop Sheen's material on our website. Life is Worth Living is there. Uh, There's the Called and Chosen Priest Retreat. Do me a favor. Send this to your priest and give it as a gift. Now, if you want to make a donation when you do this, great. If you can't, that's okay too. But we're giving hundreds of dollars worth of Fulton Sheen retreats and his life is worth living away for free. You have a little note. If you want to make a donation, great. But this is resources that help people know what Mary just talked about, a biblical worldview of the human person. Bishop Sheen talks about that and his life is worth living. Yeah, he does. So I would recommend that you download that by going to vmpr.org. If you want to become a monthly donor to support the work that we're doing, right online, you get more downloads for free. Go to vmpr.org. Or call us at 877-526-2151. $25 more a month gets you a ton of hundreds of dollars worth of programming of Dr. Scott Hahn, Fulton Sheen, Dr. Barber, Tim Staples, all the great people that we've been working with for decades. It's at your fingertips. Mary, it's back to you. you got 20 seconds. What do you want to tell the people? Thank you for listening. Thank it. you for your prayers, your yeah. sacrifices. Thank yes. you for your donations. Thank you for your support. And please let your family and friends know that Virgin Most Powerful Radio is here for you. We're praying for you. Please pray for us. Amen. God love you and your family. See you next week. Same time, same station. <laughs>